Bird's Eye View is a member of the Baltimore Sports Report Network. Find more podcasts like this at BaltimoreSportsReport.com. BaltimoreSportsReport.com. Welcome to Bird's Eye View. When it comes to the Orioles, this weekly podcast is your official source for a lack of insight and business opinion. Today is February 16th, 2016, and this is episode 151. My name is Scott Magnus, and I'm here with my big boy, my color commentator, my not-so-lovely totals, Jake English. Uh, for those listening to us, you can catch us over at birdseyeviewbaltimore.com. You can also check us out at baltimoresportsreport.com. You should be also listening to Baltimore Sports Today, the lovely podcast from Zach Wilt and Jebby Burns talking about this, that, and everything, Orioles, Terps, Ravens, and I guess sometimes Wizards and Capitals related. But. Hey, this is one straight one straight episode of referencing Jabby Burns and Baltimore Sports City. Yeah, and his terrible music selection. Anyway, continuing on, uh, you should also check us out on BaseballTalkRadio.com with the plethora of other baseball podcasts out there. Check us out on various third-party platforms such as Stitcher, Miro, Double Twist, Google Play once it comes out. And uh, iTunes is a good place to also check us out too. Head on over there, rate, review our show. It helps get some ears onto this show which we greatly appreciate you should also check us out on social media on facebook but most importantly on twitter at bird's eye view b a l and with that most important time of the week jake what's your drink of the week i have been uh granted by my lovely host this evening a um it's a high quality beer scott it's a high quality beer um that is uh well it's corona but it's it's not just any corona it's Corona Extra, Scott. Mm. Corona Extra. So more swill. Gotcha. Yes, absolutely. You know, I bought that beer specifically for you, and I've had it for probably close to three to four months now. You can't skunk this beer. Uh-uh. Um, it's, first of all, it's in a clear bottle, so it definitely can be skunked. Tastes just as crappy as the day it was born. All right, you got me on that one. Yep. Fair point. Um, Jake, I am drinking a Crusher IPA from Ocean City Brewing Company. Um, this is terrible. Terrible, terrible bear, but mm, but it's local. It, it not really, but <laughs> I uh, tried. Yeah. I tried. You you tried to support a local company, but um, not great. I'm I'm gonna move on from it. Um, speaking about moving on, um, if you want to move on from our beer choices tonight, you should check us out on Untapped. You can follow Jake on Untapped at Jake E four zero two five, and you can follow me at M A G N eight six zero six. And with that. Let's go to 140 characters or less on this week on the Twitters. First of all, we want to talk. We, now, this is the second reference to Jabby Burns on this very episode. It's going to go straight to his head. Wow. We're going to go to a tweet from Jabby Burns. He tweets at Jabby Burns. No S was his tweet. It was a reference to a tweet from Hardball Talk that says, Orioles aren't making Jonathan Scope available. 
Our boy Jabby Burns loves him some Johnny Scope. Uh, Scott, Johnny Baseball, not available, untouchable. Is that fair? No. He should be touchable. I mean, he should be able to be Easy moved. now. Should he be movable? Absolutely. He should be movable. Um, it's a question of if you could get, you know, a top of the rotation starter, you should definitely be moving Jonathan Scope in the heart, in a heartbeat. There's no question about it. All right. If if Jonathan Scope moves, who plays second base? Ian Desmond. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Bonus points for not saying Ryan Flaherty. Yeah. Anybody other than Ryan Flaherty was the right answer. Yeah. Ian Desmond could easily fill in and play second base and be pretty darn good at it, actually, in my opinion. But anyway, moving on, that's never going to happen in, in this lifetime or any lifetime in the near future. Next week comes from Orioles Fan Problems. You can follow them at Orioles Fan Probs with a Z. All-star games ranked. Number one, MLB. Number two, NHL. Number three, NBA. Number four, NFL. Uh, NHL? Here's the thing. Yeah. How many other major league sports have their all-star game on the same night as baseball? None. I rest my case. Mm, Okay. How many other all-star games can end up in a tie? (laughs) Easy. 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 The Bud Selig era is over. All right, next, I want to talk about buck, not luck. All right, Jonah Carey, who's all over the interwebs these days, having uh, recently moved, who tweets at Jonah Carey, uh, tweets as follows, if you want a very basic guide to over-unders for 2016, you could do worse than perusing the 2015 cluster luck. This is a tweet to, of course, a list called cluster luck from thepowerrank.com this was interesting to me scotty because it it actually took and it ranked the teams uh that were in 2015 uh lucky or not based on their ability to cluster hits so the the cluster there refers to their ability to to cluster hits around and that's a a stat that apparently you know revolves more on good fortune than anything as far as as um ability is concerned i'm curious as your thought on a list like this Meh. That's my thought. Meh. So, so there's nothing to it. You're saying that the well. Let me ask you: is is clustering hits luck, or does it speak to the ability of a lineup and the players there within? It's luck. It's okay. it, it's sheer luck. You remember when I guess it was in the Oakland series last uh, last season when uh, the Orioles were all of a sudden going gangbuster offensively and you're just like, yeah, playoffs, here we come. And then the luck streak ran out, and then all of a sudden we couldn't hit with anybody in scoring position. Okay, okay, and I, I hear that, but that's one game. Okay, that's one game, and I'm not going to accuse it was, you. It was more like 15 games. I'm not going <laughs> to accuse you of cherry picking. I would never do that. Never but if you at look all. at the if you look at the rank list, number one was Kansas City. Yep. Number two was St. Louis. Three was Minnesota. Four was Texas. Five was Baltimore. And you look at it, and over the 162 game series uh, season, if a team can consistently cluster hits i'm curious as to if that's luck or if it's not you're telling me it is i'll take your word for it i thought it was an interesting tweet i thought it was an interesting list it's an interesting list but the other thing i think is interesting on there is i would really be interested to correlate it to to contact percentage and seeing how much of that luck is also because Kansas city is a known team to have a very high contact percentage team i'd be really interested to take a look at it both from that aspect of contact percentage but also power hitters that are present on that team as well and it basically overpowering and basically having it a high exit velocity i'm i'm in a very meh with this article interesting scenario but meh at this point all right all right, last tweet goes to Mike Petrillo. You can follow him at Mike Petrillo. 
He's working for MLB.com right now, working through the whole StatCast aspect. And, of course, it's projections time this year. It is indeed. So everyone is putting stuff out. Dakota came out today and said the Orioles are going to win 72 games. Everyone's up in arms again because we're just not getting the respect that we deserve. But Mike puts this perfectly with this this tweet. Projections indicate there's a 90% chance I'm getting a sandwich for lunch. When I get a taco instead, it doesn't make the projection wrong. That's a really good way of looking at it. A very simple way of looking at it and also a way to make me really regret not having tacos for lunch. But I guarantee someone's listening to this and saying right now, yeah, but you didn't get a sandwich, so the model doesn't work. Yeah, but... I really wish I had had a taco. Let's focus on the important things here, Scott. Yeah, exactly. Uh, If we're going to focus on the important things, I think we need to to discuss the white elephant in the room, which has been Dexter Fowler and Giovanni Gerardo, and the Orioles basically pushing all of their chips into us in regard uh, for 2016. Let's go talk about that now. They just spent $161 million. Do they have chips left? Well, the owner is cheap. All right, Scott, I'm going to say this, and I'm going to say it once. For the Orioles, I really think it's time to piss or get off the pot. Can I say that on a podcast? You can say that on a podcast, yeah. Look, rumors have it that the Orioles are nearing a deal with Ivani Gallardo in the neighborhood of three three years and 40 to $45 million. Rumors also have it that if the Orioles are willing to part with their first pick in this year's draft, which is number 14 overall, that they'll also be more likely to be willing to part with their second pick, which is number 29, and everyone is jumping to the conclusion that next next uh, choice would naturally be Dexter Fowler. So there you have it. We have a hole in the rotation. We have a hole at the top of the lineup and in right field. Those two players solve both of those holes, at least in the, in the uh, short term. But we talked about this in the last show, that going for these two free agents or any other at the expense of strengthening the farm system basically brings them into a win-now mode, right? And, and so I ask you, Scott, you and I have been on record for not being incredibly fond of, say, a three-year deal for Ivani Gallardo. Yeah. But let me ask you this. Does signing Ivani Gallardo make the Orioles better in 2016 than they are right now going into camp? Can I come back to the previous segment and go, meh? <laughs> no. No, it's a real question. It's a real question. I think it's kind of, you know, it makes them maybe a smidge better, but I don't think it's significant enough making them better to basically give up a first round draft pick for i and i think that's what it comes down to is if i'm throwing out and we just comes back to what we talked about last week which is if i throw out there vance warley or tyler wilson or mike wright and i throw out that combination of those players and kind of rotate around i don't know if i quite would get to the value which would be uh giovanni gallardo but I think I'd be darn close. The one benefit that Giovanni Gallardo is giving me is he's giving me innings. And having innings is a huge benefit to to us uh, on this team. Um, one person that, you know, kind of, you know, I've thought about this and I went back and looked at the numbers. I thought like Jason Hamill in, you know, following years basically did that. But when I went back and looked at his 2012 numbers, 
he was hurt for a good portion of that season. I don't know why I thought that he was a workhorse, but uh, he he certainly wasn't. But you know, having a workhorse on this team that can put out 180 to 200 innings is important. Coming off the point that we made last week of Kevin Gossman hasn't ever pitched a full season. Uh, Miguel Gonzalez oftentimes, you know, has been injured in the past. So who knows if he's going to get through a full season. And then you've got Jimenez and Tillman and, you know, they should be okay. But you never know if another pothole is going to come up. And then you're left with a plethora of AAA or quadruple A pitchers. So to get Gallardo is probably the most consistent thing that you can get at this time. However... And this is the big however. Does it you does it really move the needle to make the team better? And that's my question because I think that I'm a little rosier on Gallardo than you are. First of all, you and I have said on this on this show repeatedly, and we don't have to rehash it too much, that you and I are not in favor of a move for Gallardo, right? But I think if they're if they're going to do it, that Gallardo gives me a lot more faith in his ability to pitch like you said, not only innings, but also better than an unproven Mike Wright or Tyler Wilson and in a guy who calls himself Vanimal. I, I, sorry, I can't go there and think that Vance Worley is going to give us real innings as a starter this year. And whereas I think it's not incredibly likely that Gallardo is going to be a stable and steady and dependable starter, I think there's a much better chance with that. Let me ask you this. Mm. It, it, we're at this point in the free agency, right? We, we start camp this week. Spring training is starting. Thank God. Everybody's dance card is getting yes. full. If it's going to be Gallardo, yeah. is that the last best move on the market, or is there something out there that's better? And not, not, from, a, not from a standpoint of what's better for the, the long term of the organization, because you could make an argument that a pitcher that doesn't cost a draft pick would, would be better for the organization in the long term. But sure. I'm saying for 2016 – is there a better arm out there that that we're not talking about because we're so focused on Gallardo? Pitcher? Yes. In free agency. That's what I asked. <laughs> <laughs> now, see, the nice thing about free agency is um, it normally starts in like late October, early November, which means that you can actually sign people at that point. Do the Orioles know this? Uh Maybe we should have let them know this. Crap. Yeah, I knew that I had something. I know this string was on my finger for a reason. But, you know, this whole aspect of let's wait, let's wait, let's wait, and then we'll get a bargain. And, you know, people come back and like, well, that really worked well for Nelson Cruz. How often does that really work out very well for you? It's a really rare occurrence to pull out philosophy of saying we're going to wait to the very end. And then we're going to scoop up all the things that are left over. And it's going to give us the best result. I mean, Dan Ducat has done an excellent job with that in terms of picking up scrap players. But eventually, you're going to start rolling snake eyes. and it's You just, mean like in the outfield last year? Yeah, <laughs> it, 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 exactly. So uh, there is no better starting pitcher probably on the marketplace than Giovanni Gardo. Uh, Lincecum may be you know, the next best one, but in all honesty, he's a complete crapshoot wild card. I think it comes back to you know if the Orioles really wanted to solidify the rotation – they would have done so by going out and got, you know, Jordan Zimmerman or Scott Casimir. But again, those players got opt-outs. And to a certain regard, it kind of sounds like Giovanni Gallardo is kind of in limbo right now because maybe an opt-out is being discussed or an option is being thrown about. And the Orioles just do not like to throw options or opt-outs into contracts for, you know, for reasons we've already discussed on previous podcasts. If they're going to do it, would you rather just do it now and get it over with? 
Because oh. I would have a lot easier time coming to terms with it and just washing it out of my system and be like, all right, this dude's an Oriole now. Let's just roll with it. Can we move off of Gallardo for a second? Because like, if it was just a situation of going out and getting Dexter Fowler, I'm all for Dexter Fowler if it didn't cost me the first-round draft pick. If I could trade away a second-round draft pick for Dexter Fowler, I would do it in a heartbeat. Dexter Fowler, you know, he's going to have less value than what any projection he has. So, like, for example, his steamer projection this year is 1.6, which is probably pretty close to being what it's going to be if he plays right field. I'm expecting it to be, like, right around, like, 1.4 to 2.0 in terms of being a right field war player. And that kind of mirrors, like, some of the other projection systems I've seen from Pakoda to Zips as well. So if you look at that and you replace like a Mark Trumbo who's been mentioned as potentially playing right field, which would be an absolute disaster, (laughs) or even a Dario Alvarez who would be, eh, you know, I I don't see it. I think he might have defense and defense, but I think you're talking about a player that's going to have like an 80 or 90 weighted runs created plus, whereas Dexter Fowler is going to be at 110 to 120 weighted runs created plus. Um, and like I said, I think he could easily be a very good addition to this team. Not to mention you could easily move Mark Trumbo into that DH spot and you're getting rid of a Jimmy Paredes who I have no faith in, um, long-term as well. I have no problems with Fowler. First of all, I, I agree with your assessment. Yeah, let's go get him. If it, if we've already burned our first round draft pick, if you're go get bur- Fowler yeah, yesterday. If you're going to go burn your first round draft pick on Gerardo, uh, I, I say you have to go get Fowler, in my opinion, because if you're just gonna if you're gonna put it all in, you might as well just go all in and go get Fowler as well. I think Fowler actually represents more upside value than Gallardo does, which is scary to me. So the answer to that first question is: Does it make him make the Orioles better today than they were before signing him? The answer is clearly yes. For Fowler, yes. For okay. Gallardo, it's meh. But for Fowler, it's definitely a yes. If the Orioles go out and sign Fowler and Gallardo, they're probably gonna win two to three more games basically and you know you think to yourself well that's not really that much but i think you and i both feel like they're an 81 win team right now if they're going to win two to three more games they're at 84 wins in terms of just projected modeling and then you've got the whole aspect of you know what players have an upside season what kind of thing does buck throw into there too is it a two to three wins and if you're right around that 85 win mark in terms of projected wins you have the possibility to be a contending playoff team. You know, it might be a division winner, but you have a chance for that second wild card team by typical deviation of statistical modeling. Sure, I mean you could swing one way or the other. You it's know, one. By, by, normally it's by six wins, basically, in almost any projection model that is out there. Pakoda and everything is normally off by six to eight wins, so you can easily swing one way or the other. I have no problem with Fowler offensively. I actually am kind of excited about what he might bring to this this uh, offense because. You know, he's got the OBP skills. More strikeouts. He does. He does. 22% strikeout last year, so pretty significant. But he gets on base. He he does get on base. He has a very high walk rate to go with it, too. So last year it was at 12.2%. And honestly, people are going to come back and harp about that strikeout rate. But when you have that many people in your lineup with that kind of strikeout rate, it's not that big of a deal to throw another one in there. Um I could come into explaining a Markov chain in terms of statistics, but honestly, people are going to be bored out of their minds. So if you're interested to learn about Markov chains, all right. Oh, sorry. Sorry. Nice to see you again. Yeah. Ah, Okay. But yeah, Markov chains, really, really fun stuff. I think Fowler is going to be, uh, would be a good addition. Uh, I think it also slots everybody down, which I love and all that kind of good stuff. Yeah. 
Uh, I do. I think one... it also means that Hunsu Kim doesn't have to bat leadoff, which scares the heck out of him. Oh, yeah. Me me too. Yeah. But, I mean, bat him eighth or ninth until he, he Correct. gets there. Although I do like Manny as a leadoff hitter still, but I understand people are like, oh, we want to move him to the number three hole. But Manny was really good in that leadoff position. And Buck noticed, too. But so. the dongs. Oh, you mean the home runs count as much from the leadoff spot in the third or seventh inning as they do from the third? Just ask Brady. Okay. Yeah, just ask Brady. Uh, what about his defense? Do we need to be worried at all about his defense? Uh, I've read, and I'm not sure how much stock to put in it because I haven't seen him play on a regular basis, but I've read that his arm doesn't really uh, slot well in right field. Um, and I'm I'm curious as if that's something we need to worry about, just assuming that we can plug him into right field in Camden Yards and you know the other parks in the American League. Definitely something to give consideration to. However, I counter with this argument, do you think his arm's better than Mark Trumbo? You won. Okay. Here's another another thing I think that works for Dexter Fowler in the fact that you just talked about Kim. He's going to play left field. He's going to be given every opportunity to be the starter in left field. Um, just like Travis Snyder last year. Right. But we don't know anything about him. Right. We don't know anything about whether Kim's skills will translate to the major league level. Everyone and, thinks they will, but who yeah, knows? Right. And I'm, I'm not saying that he's going to fail. I'm not saying that there's anything wrong with him. But adding uh, a player like Dexter Fowler. We're going to get a lot of nasty Korean emails. <laughs> That's all right. I won't be able to read them. I can't read my. I can't read the emails we get in English. Do you remember the one time that we did the Chen tweet segment with the Spastics, and someone tweeted us back, really angry that it really wasn't the, 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 a real translation. So let me just pause this Kim thought, and we'll come back to it. A long time ago, uh, boys and girls, there used to be a podcast called the Orioles Spastics. Um, it was and, a glorious time, and they they did a segment called Chen tweets where they would read out um wayne chen's broken english tweets and so we did we did a segment with them i think it was an interview yeah with wayne chen well, no it wasn't wayne chen it was one of the other korean folks that we had signed that never got to the majors basically you're right you're yeah. right and we did we did an interview with him where we pulled audio from him in some interview and then had dean i think yeah. provide the the english translations which were of course completely incorrect and as you mentioned we got we got Korean a, hate mail. We had Korean hate mail. It was really nasty. Like that, what was said in that interview was nothing like what that translator said. And it was like, oh my god, this person actually thinks we're a real news media outlet. Apparently, here. lack of insight and baseless opinion doesn't translate <laughs> in Korean. Yeah, I'm sorry. So I'm not saying that Kim will fail. I'm it actually does translate in Korean. By the way, it translates as Fox News. But continue on. <laughs> Yikes! <laughs> I am pulling at the collar. Yeah. Um, adding Fowler is a nice insurance move if kim doesn't work out for some reason at least we'll have two major league caliber uh outfielders i think that's important at this point because you talked about alvarez you know we talked about rimel we talked about hose or any of the other guys that could come up for the uh, orioles from quadruple a yeah. and i'm just not feeling it no i don't see it the only concern that i have is you know if dexter Fowler comes on the team it really puts a bind on who that last outfielder is going to be is it going to be joey ricard Yes. Or is it going to be Nolan Reimold? No, it's going to be Ricard because he's a he's a rule five, five draft. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I totally agree. But poor Nolan Reimold. Yeah, but you know, waving Nolan Reimold hasn't hurt them so far. That's a good point. That's a good point. He always comes back. Yeah. So the only other question I had for you was: Everyone keeps saying it's time for the Orioles to push all their chips in. They can. It's it's win now mode right now. They've got Holly Pilot about two years before the entire ship can't be you know moving on anymore but how long we've we really been saying that for we feel, i felt like we've been saying that since like 2012 and 2013 we're like man we've got like two more years left and then it, it that's all she wrote basically and i feel like the two-year situation is almost like 
Well, that's when Manny starts to kind of depart. If Manny re-signs with this team, I mean, does don't you can't you just restart from scratch? Because Manny, again, if you've got if you've signed someone as the top ten player in Major League Baseball, a top ten player, and as much as people like to say, oh well, Adam Jones is the franchise player. Adam Jones has never been a top 10 player in Major League Baseball. Manny Machado is a top 10 player in all of Major League Baseball. If you reassign Manny Machado, how do you not feel like the Orioles have a chance to compete every single year? I would say that you're absolutely right if the farm system were in better uh, better stock. Okay. Um, and if I felt more comfortable about Major League ready players coming up behind him and around him, uh, I would say absolutely. But right now that's not the case. And so I feel like to compete – the Orioles have to continue to get talent in the free agent market, sure, or hope. Yeah, and uh, you know, hope is just not as good a method as it as it could be. Right. I don't you feel like though it just needs there needs to be one breakthrough in terms of minor league pitching. Maybe Kevin Gossman this year this year is your your breakthrough candidate, or maybe Dylan Bundy shows some flashes. If you have one or two pitchers in that starting rotation that you're like, wow, that is a core, and you feel like you could build around it, it'd be very easy to say. We've got our one and two in Gossman and Bundy slash Harvey. We can go out and get three more pitchers that fill in the back end of our role. I mean, if you look at some of the depth charts that are out there for pitching rotations, besides the Dodgers, which are a complete, oh my gosh, moment. But take a look at the the Red Sox, for example. They went out and got David Price this year. But everybody else in that rotation is like, you know, a two to like one war pitcher right there with the Orioles. So David Price alone basically skyrockets the Red Sox to being an excellent rotation by itself, whereas if the Orioles could actually get a 4-5 war pitcher, they would be pretty much a top 15 you know, rotation staff. And I don't think it's outlandish to think that it could happen with three of the pitchers of Bundy, Harvey, or Gossman. Well, I tell you, if the Orioles come up with two good pitchers, and I'm not sure that any of those three guys are going to be the the answer. Right. But if the Orioles come up with three good or two good pitchers, I got to be honest, I don't mind so much signing a guy like Giovanni Gallardo because he doesn't need to carry the load, right? He needs to pitch on one of the other days that we're praying for rain that one of those two good pitchers isn't isn't throwing the ball. The only problem I have with the aspect of Gallardo again is you still basically say if those three pitchers that we just named don't work out, then you are going into the dark ages again. Sure, absolutely. But but again, it's not just Gyro, but it's a it's a picture like that, right? Right. A uh, uh, three or worse, a, a workhorse, a, a you know, a, a guy that's going to be league average. I think if you if you have two you know good pitchers, you can make do with a, a rotation that's got you know three eh, all right pitchers. Right. So the Orioles have decisions to make, but there's only one real person that can make these decisions, and that's Dan Duquette. I kind of wonder what's he thinking right now. How does he go about making those decisions? Welcome to another exciting round of Major League Baseball Free Agency. 
I'm your host, Jake English, and today's eligible bachelor, I mean general manager, is none other than Dan Duquette of the Baltimore Orioles. Before coming to Baltimore in 2012, Dan was an executive for the Montreal Expos and Boston Red Sox, in addition to forming the Dan Duquette Baseball Academy, as well as helping to found the Israeli Baseball League. Dan has twice been named Major League Baseball Executive of the Year by Sporting News. Dan, come on out and say a few words. Well, uh, yes, uh, hello. I'm here representing the Baltimore Orioles, who, as you know, have won the most regular season games in the AL since 2012 and have appeared in the playoffs in two of the last four seasons with major investments in the club such as Chris Davis and Darren O'Day and mainstays such as Adam Jones and Manny Machado, this club is set to be a force in the AL East and to make a deep run into the playoffs. Wait, really? Please don't make this any more humiliating than it already is. All right, now let's get you back in a soundproof booth as we introduce the audience to our amazing free agents. Now that Dan is sequestered away... Let's get to the free agents. Free agent number one is a starting pitcher entering his 30-age season, who features a career 3.66 ERA and a K for 9 rate that has decreased an average of .85 per season since 2012. This pitcher was drafted by the Milwaukee Brewers, where he pitched from 2006 to 2015, before being traded to the Texas Rangers. The Rangers offered him a qualifying offer, and so signing this player is tied to draft pick compensation. Free agent number one has averaged 191 innings pitched in his entire career, and, as an added bonus, has showcased an impressive hitting skill for a pitcher. In 416 career at-bats, he is an average of 195 with 12 dingers and 42 RBIs. Free agent number one is looking for a deal in the three-year, $45 million range and also wants an opt-out. Please welcome Giovanni Gallardo. Now, free agent number two. Free agent number two is a center fielder entering his age 30 season who was the number 14 pick, how appropriate, of the 2008 draft for the Colorado Rockies. He has since played for the Houston Astros and the Chicago Cubs. Free agent number two has averaged a 375 OBP over the last four seasons and over the same period averaged a 114 weighted runs created plus. He steals between 10 to 20 bases per season and is an excellent base runner. Free agent number two is not considered a superior center fielder and there are questions about the quality of his arm. He will also cost you a draft pick after having turned down a qualifying offer in 2015 and is said to be available in the two-year, $25 million range. Please welcome Dexter Fowler. Lastly, free agent number three is a free agent pitcher entering his age 32 season. This three-time world champion earned him consecutive Cy Young awards in 2008 and 2009 and has tossed two no-hitters. Free agent number three has been bitten by the injury bug plagued by a degenerative hip issue and was shut down in 2015 with season-ending surgery. He's looking to bounce back to regain his previous glory. Health aside, diminished velocity and ballooning FIP have raised doubts as to whether whether this one-year incentive-laden deal will bring back a solid return. Please welcome Tim Lincecum.
And now, let's welcome back Dan Duquette to the stage, and though he won't be able to see our eligible free agents from behind the screen, let's watch as he gets to know them. Dan? Yes, I am here. This is all very exciting. So, Dan, you know how our game is played. You've prepared some questions, and after this interview of sorts, you are at liberty to offer one of our eligible free agents a major league contract. Excellent. Free agent number one, can you pitch? Uh, yes, I am a pitcher. Great, you're hired. We'll sign you. Show up on the 18th, we'll get you a uniform and a number and... (laughs) No, no, Dan, this is not how it works. You get to find out more about these free agents as the show goes on, and and you can take any one of them that you want. Really? Just like that? I'm used to being hung up on. Usually I just pretend to be a Nigerian prince and explain that I offer them a vast fortune that they can only collect on if they... No, Dan, Dan, please, (laughs) just ask your questions to all three free agents. Okay, um, uh, free agent number two... Do you pitch? No, I'm a center fielder. Well, we've already got one of those. Uh, What about you, free agent number three? Yes, I am a pitcher. Ooh, this is exciting now. Let's see. Uh, Free agent number one. I like a player who has experienced success at some point in their playing career. This is why I'm partial to former number one picks regardless of whether they've actually showed that success at the major league level. Were you a number one draft pick by any chance? Now, Dan, I'm I'm sorry to interrupt here, but have you ever considered signing players who have actually proven themselves at the major league uh, level rather than hoping for a breakout year? How many baseball leagues in a foreign country have you founded? Huh? That's what I thought. Now, let's hear it, please. Free agent number one. I was drafted in the second round, but perhaps you'd like to hear about some of my accomplishments? Ah, so close. Maybe free agent number two can answer this one. Well, I was drafted in the 14th round. Yes, we seem to be trending in the wrong direction here. Free agent number three. Er, I was drafted in the 42nd round, but I exceeded those expectations. I promise. Yeah, sure you did. Free agent number two. I like a good meal at Jimmy John's Sandwiches. If you had to describe your play as a signature sandwich, what would it be called? What? Is that a joke? Look, I don't know what kind of executives you've dealt with in the past, but this is serious business, and the Baltimore Orioles have their own proprietary data that suggests that food and performance are closely linked. Uh, I guess. Let me just check out their menu on my phone here, and, uh, okay, no, I I got this. Check it out. I'd be a billy club because I like to spray the ball around the field with authority. Pretty good, right? This may be the most ridiculous thing I have ever heard. And I run a fake dating show. Yeah, that's the ticket. How about you, free agent number one? I guess I'd be a big John because I'm ready to be the big guy, the stopper in your rotation. I've done it in the past and I can bring that back to Baltimore. Now we're talking. Okay. What about you, number three? If I was a sandwich, I'd probably be the freak because of my pure physical skills. What? Is this new? I've never had that. Is it delicious? Is it expensive? Can I get it on per diem? Please, I have to know. Free agent number one, imagine that you have the opportunity to take me to your favorite Canadian city. 
What would our day consist of? All right. You know what? I'm going to step in here. I'm, I'm just going to say this. That question has nothing to do with baseball and cannot possibly help you making an informed decision. Let's just skip to the end. Dan, it's time for you to make your selection. Uh, well, let's see. Free agent number one. I'm drawn to the fact that you can pitch at the major league level and you do seem to have a solid command of the Jimmy John's menu. You were closest to the first round, so you have a really solid shot in the running. Free agent number two. I need an outfielder. And frankly, I'm not sure that the Kim guy we just signed can cut it at the major league level. So it might be nice to have some insurance out there to flank Adam Jones without having to pull hose up to the majors. Those two would be dangerous together. Free agent number three. You also throw the ball for a living, so you can't be worse than our ragtag collection of hurlers. The 42nd round doesn't seem so impressive, but if you throw in one of those new sandwiches, I might be convinced to listen. Ugh, it's such a tough call. Well then, Dan Duquette, it is the moment of truth. The Orioles fan base is a bit impatient, and the team has a few holes as it approaches spring training. What will you do? What am I going to do? What am I going to do? You know what? I'm going to sit on it a little bit. No reason to rush into anything. I mean, it's only mid-February. I should probably let the market work its way out, see how things develop. What? Are you kidding me? Dan, we put this whole thing together so that you could sign a free agent to improve your club's chances of escaping a last-place finish that's been predicted by almost every notable projection model. Nope, I'm good. Look, gentlemen, this has been very entertaining, and one or more of you may end up on the Orioles by off-season's end, but I am not ready at this time to make a decision. Well then, ladies and gentlemen, thank you for joining us here on uh, Major League Baseball Signing Game. Uh, Join us next time when we'll hopefully be joined by someone capable of doing something more than sitting on his hands. Good night. All right, it's that time of the week where we uh, close out the show and we do it in in a terrible fashion. It's time to blow the save. Jake, I want to talk about something that uh, we probably could have covered in uh, in this week on the Twitters, but I wanted to throw it out there for a little participation from the listeners. Um, read a tweet from Keith Law where he started to uh, tease out a post he was going to uh, write about the... Uh, about the farm system projections, and then a board game that he had reviewed for a website, and he did provide the link there. Um, and so I I pointed out that we should all be prepared for sadness. I said, spoiler alert, sadness. He responded back and said, no, 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 the game's really quite happy. And I was like, ah, <laughs> I see what you did there. But it got me to thinking, what board games would best encompass the Orioles. And, and in this specific instance, I was talking about the, the Orioles farm system. So I chose Sorry, mm-hmm. which I thought was the, the natural. Um, I mean, it could have been Trivial Pursuits. Um, I think someone posted Operation. Yeah, somebody somebody did uh, post Operation, which was a good one. Uh, I assumed because all the good bits get ripped out. Yeah. Uh, but that leads me to take... Or pitchers always undergoing surgery. <laughs> there is that. <laughs> Dr. James Andrews is the guy with his name. That's right. Um, so it led me to wonder, um, Bird, Bird's Eye View listeners, 
what classic uh, board games would you liken to the Orioles in some fashion? Let us know. Hit us up on Twitter with the hashtag, hashtag O's game. And let me know, let us know what, uh, what board game you think best encomp- uh, encompasses either the Orioles as a whole, a particular player, some facet like the farm system, the pitching rotation, what have you. Have some fun with this. Remember, it's only a game. Jake, spring training. It's happening this week. It is so close, I can almost taste it. Yep. So, again, we will get to see the same photos from the same beat writers all day, every day, and we will get to overanalyze the heck out of Dylan Bundy and Hunter Harvey and Odrismer Despanyes or Despanyes Odrismer, whatever. I will figure it out eventually. Baseball players in running shorts and t-shirts. Awesome. It's going to be exciting, everybody. With that... Paul and beyond, I have nothing more for you. I bid you a fond adieu adieu. Good night, Baltimore. Be safe out there, and let's go O's. We made it! We made it! It's almost here. It's over. Go home. Go.